Good morning, good afternoon. Welcome to Grapevine Ministries. My name is Phil Barker, and today we'll be speaking about the Word of God, covering everything from Genesis to Revelation. And I hope and pray that you enjoy these sermons, and I look forward to hearing from you comments about the messages that we bring forth. series, uh, which is revolving around what God did in my life. And the thing that many people have actually asked me is, why do people continue to be sick even though they're born again? And the first thing that I said was, oh, that's a very interesting question. Um, but I'm sure that the, the word of God has the answer. And uh, through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he has the ability to answer those questions and those doubts that you have. So I thought that I would get some clarification, go into the throne room of grace and sit before him and say, okay, Lord, I said, if people keep asking this question, there's got to be a reason. Because I was at that same situation. I was thinking, am I doing all the right things here? Some Christians also want to know why they could even get sick when they're supposed to have his protection. So knowing that we are redeemed from sickness and the price has been paid for for our healing, why does this happen? I believe that this is mainly because we only look at part of the redemption of Christ, not it in its entirety. Your faith is at a different level based on your circumstances. And it is unfortunate that your circumstances are dictated to you by how your body feels. I mentioned this earlier about Your feelings control how you live your life rather than being led by the Spirit and understanding that knowing that God has got everything under control. So what we do is we have a tendency to go, well, if I feel pain here, then that means I'm I'm not well. There's something wrong. And how we analyse that will determine where our faith is actually at. The higher the knowledge, the greater the ability to live a defined, healthy, long life of healing and prosperity. Once we accept this and we know without a doubt, as surely as Jesus bore our sins, that he also bore away our disease, our weaknesses, our pains and our days of sickness can be over forever. Everybody understands forgiveness of sins. 
They become born again and they know that Jesus Christ went to the cross for our sins. He took it upon himself so that we could live the life that we live today. And we know that if we do something wrong, we can just go before the Father because we know Jesus has done it for us and we say, oh, forgive me, Father, for I have sinned. But are we at that same level of knowing when it comes to our sickness? Because he did it all on the cross. The stripes on his back, the whiplashes that he actually took, that was for our sickness. He shed his blood for our sin. So the two go together. But what most Christians do is they have a tendency to focus just on one area or I can have a level of faith for this part of what Jesus Christ has done for me, but not this part here. So what am I looking at? Am I looking at redemption from sin? Am I looking at from sickness? Am I looking at for financial prosperity? Or am I only looking for it only for a little bit? This was a problem that I had. Now, I mentioned this earlier, and if you you want to get the, the whole story, you get all the CDs, all right? I'm not getting any money out of this. It just all just goes into covering the costs of the production of the disc. It's not for me. It's for you, all right? And they're only $3. They're only $3 each. So six of them. Six times three? Yeah, that's right. It is. The accountant's at the back. All right. I mean, look, I mean, what can you buy for $20 these days? Not a, not a great deal. But the thing is, sometimes, you know, God is a reward of those that diligently seek him. And he's just so into the kingdom of God, which in any way that you do that, you will receive a return on that. So... I'm actually investing in your future, your future health, your future prosperity, your future life. And this is what this is all about. And this is why I'm focusing on this today, because our lack of knowledge, our lack of understanding is what holds us captive. God is there and he's ready to give it to you. But we're actually too busy with everything else to do that. I did exactly the same thing. Now, just recapping just a little bit. So I'm this U-Butte Mickey Mouse, super fit, macho guy. I can do anything. You know, I've provided for my family and everything's good. Everything's good in the world. Got a good job, got a good wife, got lovely kids. Everything's going along in a house on fire. But then I got sick. And so what actually happens when you get sick? It knocks you, both financially, physically, and emotionally. And what's the first thing you do? You blame God. Why? Because you've got a relationship with God. Doesn't matter how big it is or how small it is. He's the first person you blame. Even if you don't know him and you're not a Christian, everybody knows about God or a very large percentage of the Western society knows that God exists. So if anything goes wrong in their life, they will blame God. But everything good happens in their life, will they give all honour and glory to him? No. 
because they did it on their own. I did this. I got this job. I, I got my law degree. I actually did this for my family. I built this house. I, I, I is all about me. But if something happens, something goes pear-shaped, God, why did you make this happen to me? God didn't make anything happen to you. You either did it to yourself or circumstances around you enabled it to take place. It had nothing to do with him. God is good. God is all about love. God is there to provide for you. He wants to give you everything that your heart desires. That's what it's all about. The light of the word, in light of the word of God, will destroy Satan's grip on you. The area of physical suffering is through him, Satan. He is the devourer. He comes to rob, kill, and destroy. But I, if you look at the scripture, he said, but I have come to give life. John 10, 10. So the thief does but come to rob, kill, and destroy. Who is the thief? Satan is the thief. Who is the devourer? Satan is the devourer. What is he about? He's about destroying your life. And he will destroy your life in any way he can. It may not be that he attacks you directly. He may attack you indirectly by attacking your family or your children or your work. He will find a way, he will find a weakness. It says, put on the full armour body of Christ to protect you against the wiles of the devil, protect you against everything. He wants to make sure that every part of you is protected. And then you take the sword, which is the word of God, and you advance, just like in the military, okay? You get your, you get your armour around you, you're protected, and then you take on the enemy take back the ground that they've taken because the ground that they've got belongs to Jesus Christ. It belongs to our Lord and Saviour. Everything that is here has been made for us, not for Satan to actually have dominance over it. That's why when he when he died, he went to hell, took on the devil, took the keys back to the kingdom and then came back and reigned supremely. And so then he has actually already done it all for us. So it's nothing more exciting about going into battle and I wish I knew this when I was in Vietnam going into a battle and knowing I've already won so then I don't have any fear I don't have any worries I don't have any concerns because I just go out there and take on the enemy but I already know I've won that's like buying a book and going to the last page and reading the very last chapter and you know oh well I know what happens now do I need to read the book? Yeah, because I've got to know everything that took place for me to give me that result. But if you read the back of the book, and let's go to the extent of saying, well, let's look at the Bible. If we go to, instead of starting at Genesis, we go back to, we go right to the back of the book and we start at Revelation and we know what has actually happened. Wow. Doesn't that make it a lot easier? That's what Jesus did for you. When you were born, he was there. And then he went forward through your whole life journey 
and to where it ended on this earth to be absent from the body to be present with the Lord. And he saw the journey come to its fruition. Then, because he's that type of guy that loves and cares for you, he comes back and says, I will now be on that journey with you. I will be with you every step of the way. I will be there. I'll protect you. I'll watch over you. I'll guide you. And that's what he did with me. And he did the same with you. So when I was in Southeast Asia, and I didn't know this at the time, when I was in Southeast Asia, he was there watching over me. This was revealed to me at a later time. And I've spoken of this before, that there was on several occasions when I found myself in a conflict situation and it was almost like someone was telling me to do something different. And in doing that, it saved my life. God later revealed to me that that was the Holy Spirit talking to me. But I was not a born-again Christian. So why would he do that? Because he knows the end from the beginning and the beginning from the end. He knows what the call is on my life. He knows where I'm going. I'm not saying that everybody enters into the fivefold ministry, but God's got a plan and purpose for every single one of you. And it's not to die prematurely. It's not to spend half of your life in and out of hospitals like I did. It is for you to have a long and prosperous life. And he wants you to prosper as your soul prospers. So he wants you to have everything, spirit, soul and body to prosper. So for you to live a long and prosperous life, then you have to be healthy. Can't do that if you're sick. Now, I know that when I look at that scripture, John 10.10, that really relates to me because the devil stole something from me that I can't get back. He stole a very large percentage of my, my life and my ability to be able to spend that with my children when they were young. I hope you're enjoying today's message. Thanks for tuning in. I'm praying for you today as you spend time in the Word that your faith continues to grow and strengthen. Grapevine Ministries relies on the support of listeners like you. Your generosity helps us continue spreading the Word and making a positive impact. You can visit our website at grapevineministries.buzzsprout.com or follow the links in my bio if you feel led to give. You can also support this ministry by subscribing and sharing this episode. And now, without further delay, let's jump back into the Word of God. So, James and Stacy, uh, my two children, they were they were still quite young, eight and ten, um, when I was in the wheelchair. So, just recapping a little bit, what actually happened is that I had an operation that went really seriously wrong, and um, the end result with that is that I ended up in a wheelchair and I was paralysed from the waist down. Now, 
A lot of people relate to paralysis as meaning you've got no feeling and everything from here is dead and nothing works. So basically, with the exception of the fact that you can't use your limbs, everything's still okay. Well, mine was a little different to that. My motor neuron nerves were the ones that were damaged. They were the ones that control movement, okay? But the other nerves, which actually relate to senses and feeling and touch and all that sort of stuff, they were alive and kicking. So I was paralysed from the waist down, but in excruciating pain. Uh, it was told to me once that the pain that I was experiencing was equivalent to uh, twice that experienced by a woman giving birth to a baby. All right, so if anybody's ever had a baby and, uh, you know, whether they had it naturally or whether they had to have drugs, uh, it was pretty bad. Now, as you know, I mean, being ex-military, I trained with special forces units and I was... I was real tough and capable of looking after myself and all that sort of stuff. But, uh, and I was able to control pain. But when I'm in pain, then my pain threshold is up here. So by the time I actually start reacting to pain, my pain is gone through the roof. So they put me on huge doses of medication. It was a cocktail of medication that I was on uh, and it was pretty wicked stuff. And it got worse because they decided that they would go one better and they'd put me on something known as methadone. Now, everybody relates methadone to drug users. And it is. It's actually used for people that are coming off of, uh, you know, hard drugs and they put them on a methadone program. And what they do is it's a... Uh, from what I understand of it, it's it's a um, it's a drug that's been synthetically created, and it's supposed to wean you off of the heavy drugs. But it was originally designed as a pain reliever, but it has the same sort of effects that narcotics do. So I'm out there on Pluto, okay, literally. I'm in La La Land, and I was on equivalent to about a fifteen hundred dollar drug habit a day pretty big doses. Every time they filled my script, they had to go to Canberra to get special permission to bring it back. And it only could be done through the doctor. And I was on that stuff. And uh, <clears throat> my wife will let you know that I wasn't the loving, caring, doting husband that I am now when I was on that stuff. It made me into a bit of uh, Jekyll and Hyde. I was a nasty piece of work. Uh, but it never actually completely got rid of the pain. So I was constantly in pain, but it was like the level was bearable. And I could go out for very short periods of time. Uh, my wife insisted that if we went out, we went out as a family. So it meant loading me up into the car. And it's like taking a baby out. You got to get my medication, then you got to get me washed and bathed and dressed. And I need help to do all those sort of things. Uh, then you got to get me uh, out to the car. Then you've got to transfer me from the car, uh, from the wheelchair into the car, and then you've got to pack up the wheelchair, put the wheelchair in the boot of the car, and then off we go. So that normally takes about an hour, hour and a half to do all that. We get to the shops, 
We're at the shops probably half an hour and I don't start feeling all that good. And I go, I've got to go home. I'm not really good at all. So you can see that uh, Maria and James and Stacey, they go, oh, of course, Dad, no worries, we'll take you home. No, it's like, why did we go to all of this trouble, drag you out here, and we're only at the shops 15 minutes and we've got to go home again? So it wasn't a very nice experience. Uh, so it was, it was very, very challenging. And this is what happens that you are controlled by your feelings. Now, we were Christians. We believed in healing. We believed that God was going to get us through this. Sort of. It was depending on the day, depending on how I was feeling. If I was feeling not so bad, uh, then I could rely on God to you know, spend some time with him and do that sort of stuff. But the rest of the time, no. So I had that doubt. I had that fear. And I had that, why is this happening to me? What's going on here? If we're not living the way that God created us, which is, in my opinion, by our faith, he won't hate us or stop loving us. But I feel that we are the ones missing out because we are choosing not to follow him. It is very difficult to do that when you're in those sort of circumstances. It is good to follow God and be a good, strong Christian and have your faith firmly planted in the ground when there's nothing going wrong in your life. But as soon as something goes wrong in your life, that's when we think, what do we do now? So what I did is I got there and I decided that I was going to do everything possible to get out of this situation because I I just knew I wasn't meant to be in a wheelchair. This can't be where I'm going. This can't be my life. So we waited for all the specialists. You know, and the specialists, they're not easy to get into. If you need a specialist for something that's wrong with you, you think that they specialise in a particular area, they would be there ready available. No, that's not the way it works. Our specialist was either in Sydney or Melbourne, I can't remember now. Um, So we had to make an appointment for him. And we had to wait six months. That's a long time when you're in the condition that I was in. So you, you look at it this way. Uh, I'd lost my job. Uh, I'd closed down my martial arts clubs. My wife, who worked in a bank, had to actually take a long leave of absence without pay to become my carer. And I was totally reliant on her, the children, and also domiciliary care, which in Western Australia they call that silver chain, uh, to look after me. They had to, they had to bathe me. They had to clothe me. They did some of our housework, you know, because Maria was too busy looking after me and the kids. So, so basically I had to rely on somebody caring for me all the time. They had to do everything for me. And then I was on all of this medication that put me all over the park. So waiting six months is a long time. So we wait six months and then we get told that we've got the appointment. You beauty. Maria at this time was trying to go back to work because we were, we were suffering financially as well. It was really crippling us. Uh, and so she was trying to go back to work and 
mix between the two things. So she's trying to work, trying to care for me, trying to look after the kids. So all of these things. So as you can see, somebody who has a debilitating sickness or disease, they're not, they're not the one that is suffering the most. It's all the people around you that suffer as well. So the whole family suffers, not just one person. So we wait for this guy and he rocks up and it'll be beauty. We've got our appointment. So there was no one available except my brother, my atheist brother, who did not believe, did not have anything to do with it. And I can't say on recorded uh, CD the type of comments that my brother would make about uh, God, but he knew that I believed. And this is very relevant as well. So off we go to the specialist. And we get to the specialist and he goes in there and they put me up on the chair and they go through all this. He's checking all my scans and all my MRIs and he's doing all this sort of stuff and doing all the good stuff. And you think, you beauty, here we go. Problem solved. Everything's fixed. I did it myself. See where I'm going? This is now me. It's all about me and what I've done and what I've achieved. God's sort of like over there just as a backup plan in case I need him but he's not first and foremost in my life, but he's there as a backup plan. So a little bit of God, 70%, 80% me, maybe even 90% me, 10% God. And so you know how specialists are and then they're so loving and caring, this beautiful bedside manner and they really look after you and all this sort of stuff. Okay, that was rather facetious comment. But he turned around to me and he said, if you're looking for a miracle, you're looking in the wrong place. You have to get used to living in the wheelchair for the rest of your life. There's nothing that can be done. And I'm going, oh, pull that knife out of my chest, please. Uh, he really cut me. And I would say that I was had righteous anger at that stage and uh, I didn't have some very kind words for specialists and I didn't have kind words for my brother either. So I'm basically saying, um, you need to read between the lines and I said, okay, enough's enough, get me out of here, we're going home. And, um, and then I did the, let's blame God. See, 90% me over here, now I decide I'm going to go to God. But am I going to go to God for help? No, I'm going to go to him and I'm going to give him a mouthful and I'm going to tell him what for. Have you ever had an argument with God? Have you ever won one? No, you can have arguments with him. You'll always lose. Always. Because he's always right. You're always wrong. So I'm having a little dummy spit in the car and, and it sort of like went like this. Says, can you believe it? Can you believe what he said? You've got to be kidding me. He's not going to do anything. It's useless. There's nothing going to happen. And my brother's driving the car and he turns around and goes, what are you on about? Shut up. I'm not talking to you. And he goes, oh, okay, you're talking to that, that guy out there, aren't you? Yeah, 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 yeah. Look, this is just between him and me. And my brother's like, okay, he just mind his own business, right? And then all of a sudden, it hit me. 
Holy Spirit just sort of like slam dunked me. You know, talk about pouring out your love on someone. So God just turns around and he said, did you hear what he said? Just like that, nice and calm. I'm the one doing the dummy spit. I'm the one going, what's going on here? Yeah, you stupid. Why did I do this? And, And I'm just going off, you know. And then God just gently just steps in and says, did you hear what he said? Because I bloody heard what he said. What do you think that I am, deaf or something? You know, you know? And he goes, and then he said it again. Now, you know what God's like. I mean, well, I mean, if you've ever heard him or, or sensed his presence, he's like cool, calm and collected. Mr. Cool. You know, he's like the Fonz, you know. He just never gets rattled. He knows what's going on. And he's waiting to see how you're going to deal with it. Because he knows that you're going to really bugger it up big time. <laughs> and he just said, did you hear what he said? And then I went, oops. Yes, I heard what he said. If you're looking for a miracle, you're looking in the wrong place. That dropped in me like a jackhammer. And I realized that the one mistake I had made, that I was looking to the world and anything in it to give me the answers that I needed, when the answers that I needed were right in front of me all the time. The one thing that I had neglected was not only my faith, but my belief in his word. And this is what you've got to understand is that it doesn't matter what we do. I had lost his covenant protection. And this allowed the devil to not only attack me, but my family. Psalm 91, it talks about instead of caving into fear, you can stand confidently on the word and walk boldly in his covenant of protection. I'm now talking about where it all started, what I'd done wrong, what I had overlooked in the first place was the relationship that I had with the father had basically just fallen by the wayside. Just like the parable of the sower. I was actually falling between the rocks and the weeds were coming up and they were choking me because the one thing that I needed in my life was the one thing that I'd forgotten. And I'd actually forgotten all of this. And I realised then that it wasn't a matter of what I'd done wrong or whatever. Bad things happen to good people for a variety of reasons. And we've got to understand that most of the time we're trying to figure it out. We don't need to figure it out. Why do we try to psychoanalyze God? We don't need to actually do that. His word is his word. There's no gray areas in it. It's it's clear cut. If you look at the word of God, it clearly states that through Jesus' stripes, we are healed. Okay? He bore it all upon the cross for us. 
all of our sins and all of our iniquities and everything, the chastisement of our grief. He has already done that. All we need to do is trust in him. But like I'm saying, the biggest problem that we actually have to be free from sin and sickness is to understand that we need that relationship. It was right then and there, sitting in the car, that I realised that the one thing that was missing in my life was that relationship with the Father. I had to make him my best friend and I had to make sure that he knew that I truly believed in his word. So then I did the one thing I spoke about earlier. It's the lack of knowledge, the lack of knowledge. Okay, we'd have wisdom and knowledge and understanding. Should actually pray and ask for that every single day, that we actually have that understanding of what it is to know the Father. And that's why I think it's so important for these meetings. So you get fed the Word of God, you get that reinforced in you, you get an understanding of what God has already done for us. And what we need to do is we need to grab hold of His Word and run with it. We, so we need to know that by being fed on the word, that's the thing that's got to be in our minds both day and both night. He says, you know, constantly do it. Walk around, walk around with, with little scriptures in your pocket. Pick them out. Doesn't matter what they are. If it relates to your circumstances, anything going on in your life, grab hold of it. And every minute you've got, you know, you could be in the busiest job in the world doing my job. <laughs> Only kidding. <laughs> but then you just, you have just that little moment and you just whip out the scripture and you read it. Through Jesus' stripes I am healed. Okay? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, evidence of things not yet seen. Okay? He is the way, the truth, and the life. They don't need to be scriptures that are this long. Okay? Even some of John 3.16, God so loved the world that he gave. He gave his only begotten son. All right? He hasn't given me a spirit of fear, but of love and of power and of sound mind. All of these things. Are there any scriptures in there that says, Graham, you're useless and uh, you haven't got a hope in hell. All right? Where's he going? Paul, no, forget about it. Ain't going to happen. Not this week anyway. No. He says, Barb, stop watching those TV you know, reality shows. They're no good for you. I'm on channel 44. Come and watch me. You know? There used to be a thing, a lot of these signs come out uh, um, in America and um, and they were all over the place, the billboards all over the place, you know, and it was things like uh, don't curse me or I'll make rush hour longer and things like this, you know, little captions and things like if everything goes wrong, this is what I'm saying, anything goes wrong in your life, who do you blame? Not the Ghostbusters. You go, you know, you just go to God. It's his fault. 
Why? Well, he's easy to blame. He's not gonna. He's not gonna back chat you or anything. He's, he's not gonna put up an argument or anything, because of his love that he has for you. Grace abounds plentiful to you. Faith through grace. He's going to give you not one chance, not two, not three, 50, 100, 150. He's going to keep giving you a shot at getting it right because he's given you free will so you can make your own choices. So today I'm saying make the choice not to blame him. All right? Bad things happen to good people. It doesn't mean that you fall short of his glory. It doesn't mean that you cannot go to him and ask for forgiveness. It's all about Jesus being the substitute for man. Something I never understood for some time. So now I want to make sure that you don't have to suffer as I did and as my family did and as for as long as I did. This is all about knowing that he's done this for you. He's put things in perspective. Do not try and work him out. Do not try and analyse it. Do not try and figure out why he's doing what he's doing. Because he's a little bit smarter than us. Took me a while to get the hang of that, but he's a little bit smarter than us. Right? And he's actually putting himself there for you 24-7. So what is it you want? Do you want prosperity? Do you want healing? Do you want a long life? Do you just want that little wart on your little finger to go away? Or have you got this huge cancer growth Does it make any difference to him? Is it hay fever that you're suffering from? Is it just you got your joints are aching a little bit? What is it that you desire? Now, remember, there's a difference between a want and a need. I want a BMW. I don't need one, but I want one. So if I go, Lord... That's what I want, buddy. I want a BMW. Hang on. Let's look outside. Is there a BMW parked out there? Has it got my name on it? Probably not. Not to say that he won't do that because I truly believe that he likes showing off. But he's more likely to look at what is it that you need. And be careful what you think you need. Because uh, this happened to my lovely wife once. She really, really wanted this job. And she was, thank you, Jesus, that's what I want. This is the job that I want. And it wasn't happening. So she prayed some more. And then she prayed some more. And then she prayed some more. And then she got the job. And once she got the job, it wasn't the job she wanted. It was nothing like what she wanted. So if you're praying for something and God doesn't give it to you, maybe you need to rethink, is that really what I want or has God got something better for me?
because he's always got something better for you. Don't go, don't go putting him in a box. Think outside the square. So what is it that you want? What is it you need? What is it you desire? Put it into perspective and make sure that things happen the way that God wants them to happen. So once we understand this as believers, that we have been saved from our sins through the death of Jesus Christ, we can rule out the possibility that God is punishing us. We are his redeemed children now and no longer subject to the law of the worldly principles. Do not be conformed to this world, but by the renewing of your mind and also we are not of this world, but we live in it. So the thing is, let's put things into perspective and know where we are and what God has really got in place for you. Right? I want to make sure that every single person in this room can come up the front here and give a testimony of what God has done for them in the way of healing, whether it be physical spiritual or emotional healing, he's going to do it because he's in the business of doing that. He gets he gets kicks out of doing that. I tell you what, I was pretty excited getting out of the wheelchair, but I tell you what, I reckon he was a lot more excited about it than what I was. And the angels in heaven were rejoicing because, you know, I was giving all honour and glory to him. Now, people have asked me, what did you do? How did this happen? And that's not what it's about. Yes, I do agree that there is a part for us to play. Faith without works is dead. So you've got to step out in faith. You've got to be proactive about what you want from God. The only way to do that is that you've actually got to physically step out and do something yourself. So what is it that he wants you to do? What he wanted me to do was in the natural, it was near impossible. And I'm going to end it there for the day. So um, be blessed and I will talk to you next week. This is Pastor Phil from Grapevine Ministries signing off and have a lovely blessed life with Christ as your Lord and Saviour. Amen. All right then. Take care until next time. Bye for now. Thanks for listening today to Grapevine Ministries with me, Phil Barker. If you enjoy this message, I encourage you to share it with someone and discuss it with a friend. Faith is better in community. You can also join in the conversation in our online community via the link in my bio or email me direct at grapevineministries155 at gmail.com. Make sure to subscribe to be notified when my next message is released. See you next time.